Welcome to the latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something, with myself, Lorca Mullen, and my co-host, Simon Cross, going on an odyssey, a quest to watch every match that we can find that Dave Meltzer's rated five stars or higher in his Wrestling Observer newsletter. And uh, this is a first for a new promotion for us now, and uh, I'm about to turn it over to Simon to introduce what it is, but I don't think any words Simon can use can describe better than the text I received from him earlier today. The <laughs> just saying, what the piss did I just see? What did uh, you just see at that point, Simon? I, I had just witnessed uh, Adam Cole and the Young Bucks take on Will Ospreay, Ricochet, and Matt Seidel in a six-man tag match at night two of uh, Bola or Battle of Los Angeles uh, for PWG. PWG standing for for wrestling guerrilla. Gorilla, spelt like the Gorilla Warfare, but with a logo on Massive it, a, Gorilla. A gorilla. Um, what do you know of PWG? Uh, I've known it as sort of... It was sort of a funhouse um, for wrestlers. Uh, I've seen a lot of the clips that uh, caused Jim Cornette to have brain aneurysms, such as the hand grenade spots. Um... There's one, I think, like a massive, like a nine-person German suplex. Just, just you know, I, it. The clips I'd seen, interspersed with some really good, like, te- like wrestling, and this is, it, it's where freedom is for wrestlers. Yes, and that can be very good. Uh, it can be very bad. Uh, it can be very unusual, but they have a space in which they can tr- truly create. Well, it was founded by three, uh, by six wrestlers. I believe two of them are still involved in the day-to-day operations, but it was founded by six California-based indie wrestlers of that of, in uh, 2003. Yeah, um, I didn't uh, it started that early. Super Dragon, Excalibur, Disco Machine, Joey Ryan, Scorpio Sky, and I think the last one was Chris Bosch or Scott Lost, or I might be adding... It might be both of them, and and I might have um, put someone else in the group that shouldn't be in the group. Is that Excalibur the Excalibur that's now... Yes. Excalibur essentially is the one that stayed with it from start to its current incarnation, and he got so many solid connections with guys, especially the Young Bucks, where they really made their name in PWG above any other promotion. Mm. Um, And and with uh, other guys like Kenny Omega and, and so on and so forth. Uh, and was the commentator in the promote like he was a wrestler until about 2009 10-ish I think and at that point I think he just had one too many injuries and he wasn't going to make a living out of it and he's already always had a full time job as a graphic designer as well oh, Okay. and so PWG essentially became his still is constant part of the wrestling industry and like you say it's for the wrestlers by the wrestlers essentially and there's, yeah. it's been a weird hybrid of the best high uh, high quality indie wrestlers. Like if you're in Ring of Honor, you're probably going to be PWG friendly, being allowed to do whatever they want, no restrictions basically. 
um, in a relatively small venue, but with a very devoted following fairly early on. Yeah. And uh, and just a DVD business model that they still have to this day. They still sell their stuff on DVD. And then a year later, they put it up on the High Spots Network, which was how we were able to watch this match. Um, and and they've got this weird extremes of it. Like I said, it's the most indie, like like wrestlers being allowed to be given full artistic creative freedom. But it's also the other end of... The way that I describe this, my first line of notes is, it's all one giant in-joke. Yeah. Um, before we get to the in-ring action, um, you can tell this match is a little bit pre-Me uh, Too, pre-body positivity, because the amount of fat jokes about well, Adam Cole. That's just and if, and, and I, I'm, I'm just going to say, if he's a fat man... I've got no hope. <laughs> well, that's the joke. That's the absurdity of it. Because Adam Cole's a naturally skinny guy. But he did try and bulk up around this time. He's, he's leaner now than he was back then, actually. Yeah. Um, I think he was trying to get like a bulkier physique that probably his frame isn't necessarily designed for. Some people genetically just are. he did a match, like a triple threat hardcore match, where he uh, was posted... Like, Adam Cole loves to make the bit, and he does it in this, where it looks like he's about to do a big dive or something, and instead he stops himself and just does, Adam Cole, baby! But uh, this time, he had a chair, so he's like, he's going to do a huge spot with a chair, and instead he just opens the chair up, puts it down on the mat, and goes to sit down on it and go, Adam Cole, baby, but the chair collapsed underneath him. So at that point onwards... Rick Excalibur has just been ruthless with the uh, fat jokes ever since. Oh, there is some verbal bodying throughout this. (laughs) I think think it would be okay in this day and age because it's so absurd to make fun of Adam Cole. Yeah. You know, there's a difference. Yeah. I I guess with me seeing all these Twitter scandals these days, just hearing that was like, Jesus! (laughs) But Adam Cole can't really get upset given that he did a thing in a match with Cedric Alexander where he gave Excalibur a note when he was doing the in-ring introductions where he's listing his accomplishments and he says, and hurt shoulder or not, he's going to beat the holy hell out of ACH. Whoops, I mean Cedric Alexander. Ah. <laughs> and starts chanting, that was racist. That was racist. <laughs> and then Excalibur continues from Adam Cole's note. In the event of a that was racist chant, you can suck his dick. Adam. Because it's like, yeah, there's no grace or anything to it. Like Adam Cole's catchphrase throughout this whole time is suck my dick. That's his catchphrase. Uh, um, well, we'll... we'll... A sentence I never thought I'd say whilst reviewing one of these episodes. We'll kind of get on to that later. So, so to top and tail it, it's all one big in-joke. And when the match is over, the fans are literally chanting out five-star match because sat in the front row with a big notepad is one Dave Meltzer. I think this is the first time we've spotted him in the crowd since the first Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat match back in. Oh, Dave with his green shirt and his curly hair. Mm. Oh, just so fresh faced. Most of the hair's still there and and it's curly ish, but it's shorter. He's still jacked. Still a man's kept himself in trim, good shape. Ah, fair play. I mean, 
I didn't realise he had arms like that. I oh, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a photo of him around this time at PWG that made the rounds, and everyone was like, fucking hell. Because <laughs> apparently he does, like, weight training whilst he's watching Raw. So that's, like, three hours to get it all That's done. how he gets through it. Yeah. <laughs> I have always wondered. <laughs> Most other people just bash their heads instead of working their arms. Whereas he's bashing a punching bag or something. So one of the things we were uh, worried about uh, as the show was going on in recent episodes was that we may be getting too much into just reciting moves and we tried to talk more about the story of the match. Ah. This, this has <laughs> no story oh. and it's a lot of moves. And so I a don't lot. have that many notes. <laughs> um, what can you say? It's just if you like a big collection of spectacular moves and sequences... This is something. This is another one like the Shibata Ishii match that I would show to non-wrestling fans to see what their reaction would be. Yeah, I think there are some people of... that don't like wrestling that would like this. Weirdly, the other end yeah. of the spectrum from the sort of hard-hitting, not realistic, but you know what I mean, like no nonsense stuff to all nonsense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I'm going to ask a question. Into There's a couple of things I did pick up on throughout the yeah. match, just little bits. Um, firstly, that Matt Seidel slip. I do like the way the commentators covered for him. Yeah. That's good commentary right there. Just going, oh, he meant that. Look, he's yeah. distracted. <laughs> Big brain time. Like it. Mm. Um, I also... Okay, I'm trying to remember which one it is. It's the book... I can't remember if it was the book with the headband or the book without Nick or uh, Matt. Uh, annoyingly, there's two Matts, and I tend to use first names. I only realised that halfway through my notes. Uh, the bit where they're all outside the ring, and he just goes to the hard cam, I just kissed Dave Meltzer. It's like, okay. <laughs> T- taking your uh, admiration to its logical conclusion there. The best description I've ever heard about the, the Young Bucks is that they're wrestling's Deadpool. That they like are in a perpetual fourth wall break. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see okay, where you like can. You can say you can see that the fact that they call their moves like the Meltzer driver, the Indie taker, uh, so on and so forth. This is a really good bit in the opening exchange. Like one of them, one of the baby faces a house on fire, and he does like a hurricane runner and stuff to people, and then Nick cuts him off, and he's starting to like beat on him, ready for another uh, spot. And he yells out to his brother, Matt, help me! And Matt <laughs> comes over holding his neck going, hold on, I just took a Hurricane Rana. <laughs> uh. um, one of the things I did, one of the bits like that did make me smile was um, when Matt tags in and he's doing the uh, hang spring, yeah, yeah. hang spring, hang spring, and then just does a back break. That was a running gag in, um, in Young Bucks matches. They basically... The young uh, Bucks... Especially because you hear Will Ospreay sell it verbally. Yeah. Oh, fuck my skin! <laughs> <laughs> and then, I don't know if you noticed it, they made a reference of it in commentary. Matt Jackson celebrates that by doing the full-on recreation of Shawn Michaels' post-Iron Man match. The boyhood <laughs> dream has come true pose, like on his knees, pushing his uh... head back. Uh, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's a huge, like I said, it's a huge in-joke, which is probably one of the reasons why it works in this tiny venue but it holds a rapt audience that are all going crazy for it i mean you know it's something that you can tell the wrestlers get excited to do because apparently they take a bit of a pay cut with pwg shows compared to what they'll usually get paid 
for other shows because a they enjoy working there and b it's seen as this great shop window to every other promotion out there and that's what Dave Meltzer said it used to be like the hot young things that would then the hot things for quite a few years that would then go on to be signed to WWE or New Japan or elsewhere would make their names in PWG like 18 months to a year before that it happened with Zack Sabre Jr it happened with Kevin Steen and El Generico along with their work in Ring of Honor it happened with the Young Bucks it happened with Adam Cole Kyle O'Reilly um, and then it happened in more recently with Zack Sabre Jr Marty Skrull Will Ospreay Ricochet uh, all these other people, but then, like, the, the requirements when AEW comes along and everything else is, like, they're churning through them so fast that some of them, like, show up at one show and now they're already... Yeah. Like, this is where, theoretically, if AEW didn't exist, this is where Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus would be making a name for themselves at this mm. moment in time. I think you've got to put a little bit of a caveat against Ricochet in that list purely because he was Prince Puma in Lucha Underground as yeah, well. But it, so he didn't have TV. He was known by PWG before he did Lucha Underground, yeah. is my point. Um, and like, so like I said, it's just this... It's the, it's the best of the best atmosphere. It was kind of what Ring of Honor used to have in the early 2000s and the mid-2000s, that all the best indie talent would end up in Ring of Honor. Then it became PWG because guys like the Young Bucks would have clauses in their contracts saying they can work for PWG. They've got exclusivity with New Japan and Ring of Honor, but they're also allowed to work PWG because PWG will also only put on, like, at most, somewhere between seven to ten shows a year. And they're only releasing their shows on DVD. There's no TV yeah. competition. Yeah. There's no pay-per-view competition. And if you also, if you watch a PWG DVD release as well, they don't include entrances or anything because there's, like, rights issues with the entrance music. That explains it. <laughs> so they And it also makes the DVDs just... Boom, 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 relentless matches. So Just wrestling! Yeah, I'm sure there were. Well, James Franco's been in a few shows, so there probably was some of that. Um, well, it, I did I did refer to this in um, the chat as visual cocaine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's the best description I can think of for this. It's just visual wrestling cocaine. Just highs, like constant highs. And, yeah. You know. um, but yeah, this was like a hot spot for cool... Like, Hollywood people would turn up to that. Like, Joe Manganello took his girlfriend, Sofia Vergara, to a match once. Uh, she tweeted a photo of herself, sit, like, posing in front of, like, loads of, like, just laid-out wrestlers. In the oh, ring. yes, I have seen that do the rounds. <laughs> um, uh, uh, James Franco was there. Gillian Jacobs from uh, Community went to a few shows back in the day. Um, Bob has been to a couple. Yeah, Ronda Rousey was at a couple of shows. Pre-WWE. Um, I think a couple of people from True Blood were there. I think one of the vampires from True Blood might have been in there. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, Max Landis is visibly there at a few shows. You know, we'd all like to wipe him out of our brains, including his family, probably. But you know, we can't do that yet. <laughs> Crikey! Oh, don't do that when I'm taking a sip. <laughs> Um, I think we need to talk about the dick bite. Do we? I think you just said there's a dick bite in this match. That's kind of all we need. Yeah. Do you think that's... Okay, okay. Um, Cards on the table. I did feel myself channeling a little bit of Jim Cornette at some point in this match. But that's before I fully let go. If I that makes sense. Gotta, it's, like, it's like how you've got to accept it, like a, a Tarantino movie has its own internal logic. Uh, or or um, 
a Will Ferrell film has its own internal logic, or a, a, a Zaz, Zucker Abraham Zucker film. That's what this is almost. This is a wrestling version of Airplane or Police Squad. Or, yeah, okay. Or yeah. The Naked Gun or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, combined with, like, a, the most ridiculous action movie, like, you know, Bruce Lee action movie, Jackie Chan action. Because some of the stuff they do is absolutely jaw-dropping and in, like, super quick succession. What, so, like, these are the notes, these are the ma- moves. I'll just make a list of the moves that I made notes of that were the most noticeable. Okay. Um, so one was... Ricochet wipes out the Young Bucks, makes one of them do a wheelbarrow suplex to the other one. Ah, oh, you picked my best one first. <laughs> first up. That was, I loved that. We saw a precursor to when this same spot was done in NXT a few years later when Ricochet goes for an Asai Moonsault and Adam Cole super kicks him mid-rotation. I knew I had as a reason I had deja vu. Yes, North American Championship. Mm. I know I'd seen that somewhere before. Yeah. Oh, when when um Adam his Cole... placement on that, by the way, mm. both times, top notch. Yeah. Uh, and and they milk it more in the NXT show, whereas this one is just you know on to the next one. Uh, Adam Cole escaping a top rope hurricane rana by sliding under the underneath, and Matt Seidel, who's doing it, is doing it mid leap, so he just bounces off the top rope and just somersaults onto his, you know onto the mat afterwards. You forget how good he was. Uh, yeah. Well, he's an, he's an odd fellow. Um, that goes by the beat of his own drum. Uh, yeah. Will it, will Ospreay bites Adam Cole's dick and then sets him up for a cheeky Nando's kick. At that point, then ricochet sprints across, dives over the corner and does a somersault onto the young bucks. Uh, uh Seidel then does a poison hurricane runner onto, uh, Adam Cole, Will Ospreay hits that tornado kick, and then I think Ricochet hits something. <laughs> something. He hits something crazy. And My note has that bit as a series of flip moves. Yeah, and uh, and Chuck Taylor in commentary says, Adam Cole just took like 37 death moves. Doesn't get the three count. No. But to be fair, that's because the Young Bucks break it up. I think at that point they're all down and that's when they're like, someone's got to bring a gun into the ring. Yeah, that's again, where this is going to end. Like, like I said, the commentators are not, like, again, they're, they're within the joke itself because there's at one point, then soon after that someone tags in and that Excalibur just says, oh, we're still worrying about tags. <laughs> See, after this hearing is the Excalibur most, in this. There's not a match anywhere close to being like this on the sh- on the list so far. The closest is the Dragon Gate Six Man. That was serious still. Yeah. Mostly. Well, there was moments of humour, but yeah, it wasn't like... It wasn't... Is it wrestling crazy? Yeah. <laughs> what this is, I've got it like one of my last notes, is, you know, the last day of primary school when everyone gets to bring in a toy? Yeah. Well, that's it's what, yeah. that. It's that atmosphere well, that's like, in a wrestling ring. One of the things that Battle of Los Angeles does that's a lot of fun is the first. So on the first night, they have all the first round matches, and so tw- ten or twelve, somewhere between eight to twelve guys are not in the tournament from the first night, from the first and second nights. So on the final night, there's you know they're they're there with nothing to do whilst the quarters, the semis, and the final go on. So they put. 10 or 8 or 12 of them or whatever together for a big tag team match that is pure, pure end of term, own clothes, 
play games. Like, they'll do extended slow motion sequences for, like, five minutes and, and all sorts of ridiculous stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, that was that was one of the ones I go. Nick Jackson super kicks Will Ospreay off the apron onto Matt Jackson's shoulders, where he then does a doomsday super kick to him. That was good. But I, my next one is uh, the the finishing sequence. I don't have any more notes after that. Uh, it was a very nasty apron DDT at one point, which yeah. made me wince. Can't remember. Um, it was one of the books hit it on one of the books hit Ricochet. on someone. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it was on Ricochet, and I was just like, oh, you sausage. Just, it just looked nasty. And I, I know Rick's got that... Rick, like we're on first name terms. Um, it's because of his speed. Him getting hit with moves just looks so much more damaging. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, he's just a phenomenal... You know, he's got an incredible... Like, some people are arguing, and I can see the case, that they should push him as the top guy in WWE. Because he can do all the moves that Seth Rollins can do, and more... He's a good-looking guy. He's charismatic enough. He's got a great physique. He's not the tallest in the world, but that's fine. His whole thing is that he's a superhero in how he's dressed and how he wrestles. Well, what's culturally the most popular thing in the world right now? Superheroes. Yeah, you, yeah, I could, I, you can make the case for it. And Christ knows they need to freshen up something. But the draft's coming soon, so they'll probably do it then. Maybe he goes to SmackDown. I can see him getting a world title in the next two years. Mm. Mind you, we've said that about other people before. And... Yeah, but we've been right a lot of the time. Mm. Who have we been wrong about? Braun Strowman? Well, I, I, thought, that was more me than you, but yes, we have been wrong. Who would have thought that you know, Vince McMahon wouldn't put the title on someone who looks like Braun Strowman? He's 0-7. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Sorry, sequence, we got off topic. Because the finishing sequence is ri- literally insane. They prepare to do the Meltzer driver, which is where, you know, and some they often blow a kiss to Dave Meltzer if he's in the if he's in the arena for that. Big boy Dave, big burly Dave. Which is where Matt Jackson has the guy up for a tombstone. Nick Jackson, who is an incredible athlete, like up there with the rest of them. Like Matt Jackson's the more charismatic of the two, but Nick Jackson's just like you rarely see him do anything wrong, and what he does is absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Um, he does a springboard 360 spike. So he's essentially doing a 450 splash onto the person to drive him down for the, the tombstone. But at this moment, with the most perfect timing you could possibly do, Will Ospreay cuts him off with a springboard os cutter. Off the, the aerial assassin road. is not just a nickname. Yeah. Uh, so I think at that point, whoever's in the move then uh, escapes it. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. M- Matt Sidell. No, no, no. Ricochet is in it, so he reverses the tombstone, goes to a corner where Matt Sidell's waiting there, and he does a shooting star press Meltzer driver. <laughs> and three, then they do like a triple shooting all, star yeah, press. All three are down. The the the, the baby faces all do a shooting star, and you get a triple pin for. a for, you know, 20-whatever minutes. Uh, crowd starts chanting five-star match. Like, Ricochet and Osprey and Sidell, <sighs> I think, go over to Dave Meltzer to pressure him into it. Well, they and both Dave look Meltzer at it. Said, but right. you know what annoys me more about yeah. that? Is the bloke next to him goes, go on then, do it, do it. <laughs> and, and Dave's just like, calm down, I don't do it now. Well, <laughs> Dave said, like, if he wanted to be over with the crowd and make it about him, 
the best thing he could have done in that moment was put his hand up with five or five fingers out, and he said he didn't yeah. want to do that. But he did afterwards give it five stars. I yeah. think it's one of those things where if you're there, you can't not think it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Um, <laughs> with that detachment that we've got. And I just think, I'm going to be more technical than Dave Meltzer here. If a match is entirely about spot, 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 and at least twice in the match things don't go perfectly, then it's not perfect and it can't be five stars. Yeah, oh, one for me... Because there's another moment where there's supposed to be this intricate bit with the super kicks where someone blocks one and he and I think like Ricochet or, or Matt Seidel blocks a super kick, swings it to so that he's supposed to Matt's supposed to super kick his own brother, but there's a clear distance between them. So it's not, you know, there's too much air for it not to be noticeable, yeah. you know? Um I I'm not gonna give it five stars, but for me, even though it's very fun and Again, like with the Dragon Gate match, I, I, I find it very fun. A five-star match for me, personally, has to have a narrative to it. I think you've got to judge it for what it is, though. I do, and, I and, do. And so the, their story is these six guys are going all out to do whatever they can to win in a world where just the laws of physics don't seem to exist. <laughs> you know? No, no, I... It's like it's like you you know you can't ask for realism in a fight scene in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you know. No, no, I I, I get where you're coming from, um, and I am letting, I, I guess, a little bit of my personal preferences cloud my judgment somewhat. If it's I like, if I said, on... said to you this is their favorite wrestling match, especially if they went to see it live, you would not dispute their reasoning for having that. No, no. Not at all. No, um, it'd take a lot for me to dispute what someone's favourite wrestling match is because, you know, by and large, I like to think wrestling is subjective. There are exceptions to the rule. Um, like Whatever, if you said it I was. my opinion. <laughs> no. But if you'd said it was the Goldberg. Uh, no, not Goldberg. The Kevin Nash uh, Sid Vicious Powerbomb match at, <laughs> I think, Starcade 1999, I probably would want to gouge your eyes out. But that's, that's, that's different. Yeah. Would you say this was better than that, at least? Absolutely better than that. So, does this make you want to watch more PWG? Because we've got some more PWG to come in in a few episodes' um, time. Uh, you know what? I could I could see clips of matches like this, um, but because High Spots doesn't have markings on its streaming, I, I it took me a little bit of time to get to the exact moment, well, and I did see a couple of moments of the previous match prior to this um Kyle O'Reilly versus Matt Riddle and obviously I hadn't seen the whole match through so I can't say if it's like good or not but the bits I saw looked really intriguing so PWG the other side of it maybe the fun side I can dip in and out of it's, it's, it's like an order Cal- it's a California hipster version of ECW I think yeah yeah that cult audience smallish venue but figures that go on to be... I mean, you look at some of the cards of previous... Of PWG shows from, like, even two or three years ago. Like, this was one... The 2014 Battle of Los Angeles first round tournament group was... Drew Gulak, Cruise, 205 Live, Cruiserweight Champion, against Kyle O'Reilly, NXT. NXT Tag Team Champion. Zack Sabre Jr., New Japan star. Adam Cole, NXT, against NXT Champion. 
Biff Busek, aka Orny Lorcan, against Roderick Strong. Oof. AJ Styles against Brian Myers, aka Kurt Hawkins. Candice LeRae against Rich Swan. Chuck Taylor. Oh, that's not aged well. <laughs> Chuck Taylor against Johnny Gargano. Michael Elgin against Tommaso Ciampa. Trevor Lee, who's now in the next TV, but I can't remember what his name is there, uh, against Cedric Alexander. Bobby Fish against TJ Perkins. Ricochet against Chris Saban. ACH against Kenny Omega. And Ooh. Matt Seidel against Chris Hero. That's a stuck other, uh, difference at the end. And other non-tournament matches in the show are, are Joey Ryan and Candice LeRae against Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. Adam Cole and the Young Bucks against Kenny Omega, Zack Sabre Jr. and Chuck Taylor. Uh, Busick and Gulak against Fish and O'Reilly. The Young Bucks against Daniels and Kazarian. You know, it's just... It's absolutely ridiculous. It's just... Oh, it's like super concentrated talent. Yeah. If you want to see the foot, the, the wrestling that Jim Cornette hates, this is to what you need to watch more mm. than anything. So it's very much of its time. It'll be curious to see how well or how badly people would think it ages in 20 years from now or something. Yeah, again, I, I could still see it having its cult following in 20 oh, years' time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whether, I think only if Excalibur becomes too busy with AEW will it end. It moved venues recently to this other part of California, sort of like a weird theatre atmosphere, which we'll see in the uh, a later PWG show. Mm. Uh, the, a recent PWG show got fi- a five-star match in there. A six-man tag, actually, so it'll be an interesting one to contrast and compare to, really. But anyway, until then, if people want to give you maybe a PWG playlist, Simon, for you to seek out uh, other matches, what can they do to get in touch with you? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm shown under Simon Cross Free, free for the number of times, at least, watching this that match that my eyes physically gave up because they could not comprehend what it is that they were seeing. <laughs> my name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U L L A for Adam Cole, <laughs> N for the N in Young for the Young Bucks. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. I have another podcast called Best of Worst of British. Check that out if you can. Uh, buy my book, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. Hopefully soon to come in audiobook form as well. So if you want to wait out for that, because you don't want to do that thing people used to do called reading, then just give it a few more months and hopefully that'll be available to you. So 20th century. If you want to get in touch with the show itself, it's lmtyspod at gmail.com. And the Twitter handle is LMTYSPod. Simon, we've got a big one for our 90th five-star match. Maybe the most important one, because it doesn't even count as a five-star match. What are we covering next? Well, we are at Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom 11. Um, naturally then, it's the 4th of January, it's 2017, uh, it is Kenny Omega as the winner of the G1 Climax, in which we saw a semi-final match not too long ago, taking on the champion, Kazuchika Okada. It's an important match, maybe the most important non-WWE match of this century, you could argue. You could indeed argue that. Sorry, I had to do some quick mental arithmetic about our uh, uh, our current joint number one. Oh. 
could this be the time, considering that is also a six-star match, according to yes. Meltzer, that this is un- is its position under threat? The second six-star match, and the match that the first six-star match that really got people talking. Yeah, this is the one. This is the first time I'd heard that he'd, he'd given six stars to something. Obviously, it's whilst we were doing this that I heard that he'd already done it. Well, you're already seeing, like, from the PWG show, that the significance, the cultural significance of Dave Meltzer giving something five stars is. For, for better or ill, of some sort of significance. Yes. It's so a trophy to some something, people. So when he gives something six stars... It's even better. It's funny, we're seeing all the formations of all the different confluence, uh, con- uh, different events that are leading to the creation of what we have now, which is yeah. AEW. Uh, do you ever get this issue when we talk about six stars, that you just think about that opening bit of Dunstan checks in? When the lady puts her brooch you keep against... keep referencing <laughs> Dunstan Checks In. I have never seen Dunstan Checks In. I will never see Dunstan Checks In. Oh, but if it was made every in Swindon, time, you'd have reviewed it by now for your other show. Time you may, every time you reference Dunstan Checks In, it makes me want to, even less than before, watch Dunstan Checks In. <laughs> oh, Okay. Oh, I, I, so no, I don't know what it's like in Dunstan Checks In. <laughs> I, I feel you should. No, it's not going to happen. If we ever have some sort of bet, some sort of contest, then it will have to be... My my punishment will have to be watching Dunstan Checks In. That's not a punishment. It's a, it's an alright movie. Bloody punishment to me. Anyway. <laughs> I'd rather watch Commander in Chimp. Ah, it's an orangutan, not a chimp. Okay. Hail to the chimp. I don't know, whatever it was called. Anyway. There's nothing much left to say now. There there wasn't (laughs) anything left to say beforehand, but Sally added to it. Other than, my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something and for surviving through that last bit. Have a five-star time. Until the next time, baby. City of stars, are you shining just for that I can't see Who knows Is this the start of something wonderful